The Widow Claire, Talking Pictures, Night Seasons, Laura Dennis, The Last of the Thorntons, The Carpetbacker's Children, The Trip to Bountiful, The Day Emily Married, and Dividing the Estate. If I asked you for a common element in all of the New York productions of these plays, you might quickly name playwright Horton Foote, and you'd be right. But there's another correct answer, and that would be today's guest, who appeared in all of these shows and is currently on stage in the Orphan's Home Cycle at Signature Theater. Welcome to the American Theater Wing's Downstage Center. I'm Howard Sherman, Executive Director of the American Theater Wing, and I'm very pleased to spend the next hour with Hallie Foote. Hi, Hallie. Hi, Howard. Thanks. You have been on a marathon. Yes. You began performing. We'll start with just the performing element. Um, You began rehearsals for Orphan's Home Cycle up in Hartford when? Um, We staggered them, but we were doing Dividing the Estate at Hartford, and um, the last week of our our run, we started rehearsing the Orphan's Home Cycle, some of us, depending on who is in what part. Um, And we sort of started kind of cast-wise because the smaller casts began rehearsing first. So I think it was Lilydale and then... um, uh, I can't remember the next play. But anyway, we sort of staggered in for about two weeks. Um, wow. Because there's 22 actors in, in the nine plays, um, the nine acts. And um, so I think I began uh, the last part of June, I'll say. Wow. Yeah. And then you began performances at Hartford at the tail end of August? Yes. And ran there into just uh, the beginning of October, if I remember right. No, a little bit longer. I think oh. uh, we were nine days down in New York. So, mm-hmm. And I think we started here October 24th, so wow. whatever that is. So yeah. it was that fast. But you've you've really been working on this since late June of yes. last year, and here we are. Here we're, we are. We're having this conversation in March. You're going into the first week of May. Yes, Aside from the scope of the production, which we'll talk about, <laughs> is this the longest run you've ever done? It is. Um, it's going to be a 10-month run, and I've never done a 10-month run of anything. So this has been quite an experience for me. And it's a 10-month run and kind of a repertory because we're doing three separate plays. So, And, and they're treated as three separate evenings, we should yeah. say. But even within the course of an evening, you can find yourself playing multiple characters. Yes, you can. So it's, 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 ama- it's amazing. I, I want to say, you know, it's very unusual to talk about a work of this scale without using words like epic, yet the word epic almost seems oxymoronic in relation to your dad's work because his work is so intimate in so many ways. Um, Can you talk about how the decision to put all of the plays together came about? Because he had written them all originally as perhaps somewhat fuller length, Mm -hmm. but individual pieces. Yeah, he'd written them um, in the 1970s. I think the last one he wrote was The Widow Claire. It was kind of – there were actually originally eight, and then he made this decision to put in a ninth play. He wanted the character of Horace, who who is is followed throughout the nine plays. It's based on my grandfather. Um, He wanted him to sort of have a – before he – met the woman he married, which was my grandmother, obviously. He wanted him to kind of have a, a romantic um, romance with someone else, and that would be the Widow Claire. Um, so he began the journey with the full length in the 70s, and then uh, when we were doing Dividing the Estate, and I believe it was at Primary Stages, uh, Michael – and Michael had been talking to him. See, Michael and my father go back 
for about quite a long time. And you're referring to Michael, Michael Wilson, Wilson, the artistic sorry. director yes. of Hartford Stage yes. and the director of Correct. a number and, of your dad's plays. And Michael's been at Hartford Stage for, I think, 13 years now? Sounds about right. Yeah. And he has always wanted to somehow do these nine um, plays in, in a, a nine-hour evening. Uh, and had talked to my father off and on about it and, and knew that it was my father's sort of wish to have them seen back to back. I don't think in the beginning he thought of um, editing them. But Michael, in that way of Michael's, sort of in that th- enthusiastic way you know, that he has, he said, you know, we can do this. And once my father figured out that the mantra became follow Horace because there's sort of stories you could, you know, get diverted to within each play. But if you stay with Horace, it sort of made sense and it began to kind of be – you found a way to sort of distill everything. So that's what he did. And I think he he was nervous. But then what happened was we had um, – we were doing Dividing the Estate and Michael and Jim Houghton had started talking and they had gotten together, Jim Houghton from Signature Theater. And um, Jim decided to come on board as a co-producer and so with Hartford and Signature um, sort of gathering together, we uh, had a reading at Lincoln Center, which they're very lovely about, and they let us use their space uh, of the first six, and my father got to hear them read. Um, and once he heard them read, they, these are the edited versions, he he just knew it was going to work. And, and he never got to hear all nine of them read. That's the one thing that makes me very sad. He passed away before... We had the reading of, of the final three, um, but he—I think he kind of knew, hmm. you know, by then that it was going to be okay. So um, that's sort of how it came about. It was really Michael, and you know, um, I think part of the—he had this sort of security being at Hartford Stage. They're very supportive of him up there, and he knew it was something he wanted to do. And then he talked to Jim Houghton at Signature Theater, and Jim thought, you know, this is great. And then the Mellon Foundation stepped in with a grant uh, that was just invaluable. I don't think we could have done it without them. And the sort of the three combina- you know, combining three forces um, gave us the opportunity to try and do it. You say that your dad heard the reading of six of mm-hmm. the nine pieces. Had he completed the editing of all of the plays at at the point at which he passed away, which was last February? As yes, he he completed a lot of it, and you know, within the rehearsal process, you know, there's always there has been some editing and kind of um, just in terms of how do I put this? Just things that you know weren't quite working. We'd go back to what we called the Bible, which was his all his writing and sometimes you know switch like a line for another line or something like that but most of the stuff was there especially if something didn't make sense because my father would sometimes uh screw dates up and things like that and so we had to make sure everything tracked in terms of all the dates because it starts in 1902 and it finishes in 1928 and you had to make sure Horace was a certain age you know in 1915 or you know little things like that we had to kind of uh fool with but Mm -hmm. um yeah a lot of the work was done and um and then the work that wasn't done, I think he trusted Michael and me enough to know that we wouldn't do anything to tarnish what was already there. But you did, in fact, have to do some little tweaks here yeah. and there. And as you played it in rehearsal, there were decisions to be made. Absolutely. But mm. that was sort of how my father worked anyway. It was a very collaborative um, uh way that he worked he loved actors he was an actor himself and so he'd often you know just say yeah whatever you want i'll i'll do kind of thing especially if you like the actor and he loved certain kinds of directors he loved working uh with jim houghton he loved working with 
Michael Wilson. I love working with Harris Eulen, um, uh because they liked actors, and I think they provided a kind of a safe base for everybody and made it feel like a family. Hmm. And that's when my father was at his happiest, was when he was sort of in a collaborative effort with a bunch of people that he all got, you know, that everybody got along and were working hard on something of his. <laughs> hmm. well, we're going to talk more about family in a minute, but I, I want to ask, as this project was coming together, you certainly have had roles in many of your father's shows. I listed a number of them in the introduction. Um, at what point did was there the conversation about who Hallie Foote would play over the course of nine plays over nine hours? Um, again, it was Michael because uh, part of me resisted. He had this idea uh, about the first play and if you, you haven't seen it, it's sort of he takes people and puts them in roles. Um, like there'll be a, like the role of like say Corella Thornton. She starts as a different person plays her in the very first play, younger, and then as she gets older, a different person plays her sort of consistently throughout. And I didn't. I kept saying, why can't we start you know from the very beginning and go all the way through? But he said that he felt like the the change in time from 1902 to say 1925 or 1902 it would be too vast to justify it. And I think he was kind of right. It made it interesting. So what happened was our first play starts out with everybody sort of mixed up in different parts. Um, and then um, everything starts to sort of track character. But I guess I'm, I'm jumping. How did I decide to get involved in what part? So I ended up playing um, my great-great-grandmother is what I'm saying. So I didn't think I necessarily would, but I did. Um, and then I played a part of this character named Asa in um, Convicts, which is sort of a small part, but she's very kind of flashy. Uh, and she's a drunk. Um, and then I always wanted to play uh, – I played Elizabeth, which is my grandmother, and this is based on my grandmother and grandfather. But I knew, obviously, I couldn't do that anymore. So I kind of wanted to see what it was like to play her mother, and I asked if I could, and he, Michael agreed. Well, it's <clears throat> interesting, as you, you say – in earlier productions, both on stage and on film, you had the opportunity to play your own ancestors. Yes, and I'm still doing that. I'm just playing them a generation older. <laughs> right. You're, you're actually filling in. Yeah. I mean, you've, as you say, you've played your grandmother mm -hmm. and now you've played your great-grandmother. And my great-great-grandmother too. <laughs> it's, it's pretty remarkable. It's kind of wild. <laughs> and how much – I mean, normally you would – in this kind of interview, I'd, I'd ask something, you know, deep and probing like, and, and how did you research your roles? <laughs> um, how much did you know the stories from simply being part of the Foot family, and how much did you take only from what your dad had put on the page? Uh, I've been raised with the stories. Um, obviously, stuff he's written is a variation on a theme, pretty much. And um, so it's not completely my grandmother. It's not completely my great-grandmother. Um, I didn't know a lot about my great-great-grandmother. I sort of learned about her through working on the part. Um, and I think everybody in a weird kind of way had the same information that I did because my father's written a book called Farewell that sort of traces a lot of that family, uh, that part of the family. And um, and then we had other informational things through the dramaturgy, you know, that were available to us. So um, we all started exploring and learning about that part of the world and those people sort of at the same time. And it was a, a kind of fun. The plays are all set 
pretty much, I guess there's a few scenes where people head to other parts of Texas, but they're all pretty mm-hmm. much set in Harrison, Texas, yes. which is the the doppelganger for Wharton, Texas, yes. where your dad was really from. Now, surely growing up, you'd had visits down to Wharton. Mm-hmm. But do I remember that that maybe a few of you took a trip down there in preparation for this? Did Michael Wilson I, go down? I or? did. Michael was down with my dad when we were doing Dividing the Estate. Um, he and my father were already working on uh, Orphan's Home. And he had, my father was, that was the other thing he was worried about was how do you unify them? And they'd said sort of they were going to have a river. <laughs> and, and he was like, well, how are you going to do that? Well, Michael sort of figured out this clever way to incorporate a river and incorporate things uh, partly in a live way, um, but also with this videography, he get, you get a sense of uh, place. Um, like if you go down to the river it, through the videography that they use, um, you get a sense of that. And uh, Maggie Lacey and Bill Heck, uh, they play Horace and Elizabeth, um, my grandparents, and an actor named Bryce Pinkham who plays my son and his brother, um, Vaughn. Uh, they all went down. And then, of course, Michael had been down many times to Wharton. He knew Wharton intimately because he'd worked at the Alley Theater, and he used to spend time with my parents. And he loves Wharton. He loves to go and visit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and of course, I've I've been there often on my whole life. <laughs> well, let's let's jump back as as we always do on these programs and and talk about uh, your whole life. Normally, I ask. How did you first get interested in theater? But mm-hmm. clearly, you were growing up in the home of a noted uh, playwright and screenwriter, and particularly mm-hmm. screenwriting. We should say, you know, as I talked with your dad about before he passed away, um, he'd written a bunch of plays, but mm-hmm. his greatest success actually came through screenwriting in many ways. Um, was it a household in which theater going was a tradition or encouraged? Because you, you started out here, then you moved up to Nyack, and then there was a whole period where in the New family Hampshire. was up in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. So what were the opportunities? Um, it wasn't like – my father loves the theater, so you know he, he would go whenever he could. But he also was – he was a screenwriter, but I always thought of him as a playwright. That was his first love. Um, and I think part of the reason he moved to New Hampshire is he felt that he he needed to get away from New York. He felt um, kind of um, estranged from it. He he didn't feel comfortable here. He felt that what he was writing about didn't interest people. And but he wanted to keep writing. And they also loved um, uh, early American uh, painting, and they loved furniture and they loved certain kinds of homes and so they ended up buying a house that was built in 1776 and uh it was on 50 acres of land and um he began collecting antiques and he he became very good at it (laughs) Hmm. and part of him thought about just bailing you know not even writing so when i was 16 i moved to new hampshire and my world was really about kind of being in new hampshire and it, it wasn't really i didn't think about the theater much or any of that stuff. I didn't think about the theater until I'd gone through college and um, I was sort of at a crisis in my life and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was probably 23 and I turned to my father. I remember he was driving the car. He wasn't a very good driver. (laughs) I said, I think I want to study acting. And he kind of looked at me, you know, because he just assumed none of his kids were going to be interested in that. And Hmm. so... 
he kind of paused and he said, well, if you're going to do it, you better, you should study with someone that's a good teacher. And I was married at the time, not to my current husband, but to someone else. And we talked about it and he wanted to go out to California. So I said, well, can you help me find someone in California? And that's what I did. I went out there when I was about 24, 25. So where did you study? I studied with somebody named Peggy Fury and William Trailer. Um, Peggy had run uh, the actor studio for a while out on the West Coast and then started her own school. It was called the Loft Studio, and she was a wonderful teacher, as was her husband. And um, I just sort of studied with them for about three years. And then mm-hmm. I ended up coming back to New York, and that's when I started my collaboration with my father. How conscious was it? I mean, to say, you know, I'd like to start being in my dad's plays. Let me ask, in that period, had you had a chance to see a lot of your dad's plays performed? I'd seen them when I was really young. And I remember in the 50s, you know, seeing them on television because they had them. Um, Lillian Lillian Gish was in Trip to Bountiful and uh, Kim Stanley did uh, Young Lady of Property, and um, I and I so I sort of have like blurry because I was pretty young memories of uh, them being on television and being around like a TV set was Dorothy Gish. I remember Dad said I was he was had me he brought me and I said hi Dorothy Gish, <laughs> kind of <laughs> waving to her. Um, so I was around. Uh, you know, Vincent Donahue was a director who was his best friend, as was Joe Anthony, another uh, director. I was around a lot of those people, but it 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 wasn't kind of in a theatrical, wildly theatrical way. We'd go and spend time with them. Um, Vincent got me tickets to see the Beatles. You know, things like that. Those okay. are the, the that's, perks. That's a perk. Yeah, <laughs> um, but. We also had a kind of a normal family. I don't know how to describe it. I mean, I was aware that my father was a writer and loved writing. That was clear to me. Um, but it wasn't sort of the be-all and end-all of my existence. I, I studied piano when I was growing up and um, toyed with the, the idea of becoming an opera singer. I went to Juilliard briefly. you know. So hmm. I had my own little uh, world, but it was more geared to music for a while. And then I, when I moved to New Hampshire, I said, if you're going to move me there, because I thought – my life had been ruined. I said, you have to let me st- – I don't want to play the piano anymore. I don't want to sing anymore. I just want to be a teenager. Hmm. And that's what I did. I remember asking your dad you know, about you performing in his plays and, and I was speaking specifically of some of the more recent performances, Dividing the Estate and Trip to Bountiful. And he pointed out, he said – he was certainly very proud of you and he said, you know, isn't, isn't she wonderful? <laughs> And and but pointed out that he didn't write the parts for you. Mm-hmm. The parts had been there for years. Some people made the assumption that they fit on you so perfectly, and that wasn't the case. At any point when you began working with your father, were any of the plays being written new? Were you doing premieres of his plays? Yes, but they weren't written for me ever. Mm-hmm. Um, He'd write them and then say, here, read this. And um, I remember when Carpetbaggers was written, uh, I read it and I said – I sort of asked him if I could play Sissy. You know, I would ask him. I wouldn't – but it wasn't like he wrote Sissy for me. And I don't necessarily think – some of the parts – I mean, I think people were kind of shocked when I wanted to play Mary Jo because I'm not really – in, in dividing the estate – She's a little bit different from parts I've done, although I've done parts that aren't, aren't so different from her. But I think they thought I'd want to play another part. Um, 
I don't know why, but they did. And hmm. and so uh, I sometimes the, the, the benefit of working with my father as long as I did was not that he wrote parts for me, but that he had these parts. And I got to a point where I was able to say, let me try this. And they'd let me try it. Hmm. So what was the first show of your dad's that you were in? He workshopped uh, a play called Courtship, which is part of these nine. Um, but it was never really produced. It was done at HB Playwrights, which is Herbert Burkhoff, you know, it was his baby. And um, he knew my father wanted to kind of dip his toe back in the water in New York, but he didn't want to have to necessarily have the pressure of having critics or any of that stuff. So Herbert has this wonderful thing or had this wonderful thing where you could uh, have a play performed and people could come see it, but you didn't have to have the scrutiny of the critics and, you know, all that stuff. It was more of a a workshop for a writer to sort of explore his work. And so since my father had just written these nine plays, he, he wanted to sort of see what it was like with an audience. Hmm. Um, and he asked me to play the part of Elizabeth, which is my grandmother, and I did. Hmm. Certainly many people coming into the, the business as the child of a well-known artist would would very specifically not want to become immediately associated with with their parents' work. There was no youthful rebellion. There was no, I'm going to go do other stuff. No, I don't want to do dad's plays. No, it's funny. I guess his plays always felt like home to me. You know, I mean, they there's something about them that resonated with me. And um, he was so easy to collaborate with in a um a professional way uh, that I, it just never occurred to me that I would not want to do them, you know. Mm. And also, I love his writing so much; I can't help it. I just do. I think he's a wonderful writer, and um, so it was a joy for me to be able to work on things. Um, sometimes I, I would think, well, maybe this isn't so smart because you're going to get boxed into this thing. But I thought, you know, I don't really care. I'm having a good time, and so. It's okay with me. Well, I don't want to – and we shouldn't suggest here that you've only acted in your father's work. You've right. done film. You've done mm-hmm. television. You've done plays mm-hmm. by other people. Um, how much as your career was developing, was it you worked when there wasn't a play of your dad's to do or was it you know when they came up, you made choices? I mean – it's more been about – I have to be honest about this. It's sort of my career sort of – I'm very blessed to have my father as a writer because I'm not particularly uh, career-oriented. I don't really understand how the business – I'm starting to actually, as I get older, get that there's – you know, you kind of have to go out and work to get a job. It doesn't just come to you. Um, there are a lot of talented people, but there, there are very few – good careerists, I think. <laughs> I, I would not be considered a good careerist in that sense. But um, what's happened is, is, particularly since we started working at Signature Theater, which is the 94, 95, yeah, about 90, I think just 94. feels like yeah. all I did, I've been doing are his plays. I mean, because he just be, then he started writing and all these opportunities started unfolding. And so my husband and I had uh, in... 93 had gotten a place in California and I turned to Devin the other day I said do you realize you've probably been on the road more <laughs> doing plays of my father's my husband also works on them often um, than we have been in California it's just how it's worked out hmm. 
Well, I said we were going to talk about family, and and we talked a little bit about, you know, you were growing up and your interest leaned towards music, Mm -hmm. uh, not acting right away. Um, Your sister Daisy is a playwright. You have acted in her plays, if I remember correctly, at least one directed by your father. Yes, when they speak of Rita at um, primary stages. You have a brother, Horton Foote Jr., who... You have acted with. Yes. And and my sister's play, too. And my father's plays. Yes. So, and and there's one more brother. Does, Walter. Does, does he fit into well, the, you know, the performing he does, anywhere? He actually did a film called uh, The Tavern. Um, but it was not connected to my dad. He um, he wrote it and directed it and raised the money for it and did it himself. But he's also a lawyer and he's kind of doing that full time now. Hmm. Everybody at one point did gravitate mm-hmm. towards towards the arts, yeah. even though it wasn't it wasn't pushed. It's, it's sort of fascinating. No, no, and I think, um, and I think that speaks volumes for my father, probably, and my mother, because they kind of never pressured us, but we had the evidence of his writing and sort of his life, um, and I think it it was intriguing to all of us, and I think. Um, it doesn't surprise me that every single one of us wanted to at least try to, you know, involve ourselves in some way um, with that profession. Hmm. Well, what what was it like <clears throat> to be in a play written by your sister, directed by your father, with your brother in the cast? Did, well, my brother or, wasn't or was in the one that he directed. Oh, okay. It didn't all, but, but, <laughs> Close. But what's, what's that like? Because, you know, sometimes you can, can ask the question simply of, you know, say spouses or a yeah. parent and child and what's it really like to work together. You, you know, there was no escape in family. No. Um, well, with my father directing my sister's play, it was really great. Um, he loved her play and it, I loved that play. And... Um, it was just a glorious time, and we ended up extending and extending and extending um, through the summer. We did it when Primary Stages was on 45th Street, mm-hmm. and it was a great group. I don't know. It was just really a lot of fun. Um, uh, it, I just I, – I, it sounds boring, but it was just kind of <laughs> a very happy experience. But I'm curious about the dynamic because you said before that your dad – in responding to an actor, mm-hmm. would easily try to adjust a line to make them comfortable. Was your sister the same way? Yes. She's uh, she's also – she's learned from him in that sense. Uh, their writing is not – they don't write about the same place, but to me their writing has a similar effect. It, mm. um, it sort of – it seems very simple on, on the surface. But then it's very powerful and kind of sneaks up and grabs you and emotionally often uh, has an effect on you that's quite unexpected. Um, She writes about New Hampshire. He writes about Texas basically. But uh, their sensibilities are the same. And also I think their respect for actors is the same. Daisy understands the importance of having a director that you're comfortable with and that also understands actors. So she's collaborated with people that have that sensibility. Um, and I think when she worked with my father, uh, it just reinforced a lot of that stuff for her, you know, watching him. And what was he like as a director, 
as as you know, it's one thing to mm-hmm. be the author in the room listening to the actors. It's another thing to well, be see, what's great about the show. Is he was an actor <laughs> first, and he also taught acting. Um, he also directed plays. You know, he, he used to help out, out the uh, he'd run the neighborhood playhouse when Sandy Meisner would leave, and so he was kind of all over the that part of. Um, it wasn't like you know. A lot of writers are just isolated and they write and they have no relationship to actors. Somebody said to me the other day, my father, I think it was Pamela Peyton Wright, who's in the play, said, "You know, your father's one of the few writers I welcome in the rehearsal room because he understands the acting process. He understood it so well, and he he didn't screw things up for the actors. You know, he didn't try to impose things. He understood how their language. He understood how to talk to them, and you know." And not interfere with the director. He just understood. And so as a director, you got sort of double. You got the insight into his writing because he was right there. But you also had the benefit of him as a director. Um, and he was very good at helping actors when they were, you know, in trouble or stuck on something. He could help them sort of figure out a way uh, around it or to sort of figure out how to do it. Hmm. On Daisy's play, mm-hmm. when he was not directing his own work, Right. Was his approach any different than it was to his own work? He spoke the language of the actor always uh, in in terms of if you were acting, asking him a question about his writing as an actor I'm talking about. Or if he was directing you, he spoke the language of the actor. He understood – you know, some directors will just sort of say, you know – it's like they'll move furniture around or they won't – they won't give you a reason why you're going from like this – part of the stage to that part of the stage or he always could help you it's not like he would tell you what you had to do but he'd help you understand why it was probably a good idea for you to try it um in terms of and it made sense in an acting way so. well you've acknowledged you know you've already said that you've um you act frequently in your mm-hmm. dad's plays with your husband mm-hmm. and you mentioned acting with with your brother what's it like acting with a member of your family frequently and in the case of your husband i mean you spend all day in mm-hmm. rehearsal you go home uh, is it is it tougher to create a new character when you're when the person you're creating it with is so much a part of your life um no actually it's great and when my husband and i are working in something or when my brother and i were working in something you know the the process of sort of learning the part is a very solitary one. I think it's sort of you have to learn lines. It's kind of boring, you know. You, it's not. And then the the fun part is when you're up on your feet, kind of rehearsing it, you know. But that's at the theater. The other stuff, you know, I'd probably be in my bedroom and he'd be in his, you know, in the living room, and we'd be separately working on lines. And then maybe once in a while come out and help each other run lines or something like that. But it's not. Um, it's not like we're interfering with character choices or anything when we're at home, no. And then you sometimes get up on stage, and if I remember correctly, there's one point in Orphan's Home where he's playing your nephew? Uh, wait a minute. No, he played my nephew in Dividing the Estate. Oh, okay, in Dividing the I Estate. I said, yeah, my husband is playing my nephew. Yes. <laughs> no, or was he – wait a minute. Was No, I'm sorry. He was my brother. No, he's my <laughs> nephew. He was my nephew in Dividing the Estate. Yes. And in this one, um, I don't know if we're Just any the sheer fact that it's I know, there's so many parts. It legitimizes my question. No, it's funny. We get to the theater sometimes and say, okay, what part are we doing today? <laughs> and, um, yeah, so it's, you know, you have to kind of remind yourself. 
Certainly, you mentioned that in 94, the relationship that began with Mm -hmm. Signature Theater, when Signature was in its really early days, your dad was only... I think he was number four. Yeah, I was going to say the third or fourth. I I couldn't remember precisely. Um, You know, that gave a home, Mm -hmm. yet... There was also the home at Hartford Stage and the home at Primary Stages. It seemed like suddenly there were there were particular places to roost. Well, he be, he began though at Signature mm-hmm. um, before Hartford. Um, I think Hartford came in ninety eight. Well, Michael only got there in ninety seven. Yeah, so. ninety seven. So, mm-hmm. but that was the first thing Michael did um, uh, was he got my father up there. It was like you know we're going to do Death of Papa, and that's what we did up there. Um, uh, primary stages was a little later. That was, I think, the first thing he did was my sister's play at primary stages, uh-huh. and that was the old primary stages. And right. then the newer one, um, he did Damley Married, and we did Dividing the Estate. So those were a little bit later, but but it began, it, and also it began with EST, his one acts, um, mm. Kurt Dempster. You know, uh, there was one called The Road to the Graveyard. I think it was that Frank Rich reviewed, and that's sort of put my father back in the consciousness of the New York theater. It was a wonderful review. And um, I think it gave him the confidence to kind of do this season at Signature and, you know, just keep putting his plays out there. We also did a play called The Roads to Home in 92 at the Lambs Theater that did quite well. Um, And so things were starting to happen, starting to percolate. And he was starting to see that there was maybe – a place for him again back here. And somebody like Jim was perfect because he said, look, you know, you have all the creative freedom. You can do whatever you want. This is yours to do with whatever, you know, bring, and and dad wrote two new plays and one of them got the Pulitzer Prize. So it was really a fruitful time for him. Hmm. For you performing, if, if I track some of this correctly, there was one play, I think you just mentioned Roads to Home. Did you actually do that twice? Yes. And there was a 10-year span between the two times you did Because you mentioned the Lambs production, yep. but it was at Manhattan Punchline right. in 82. And was it in 82? In 92. That's, oh, that's what I've turned up. Wow. But, you know, what was it like to go back and do, in that case, you played the same role in both productions, mm-hmm. to revisit a part you had played? Oh, I always loved doing that. Um, and I, I was really lucky to do it. That particular part, it's a wonderful part. Um, uh, she, she's kind of this girl that's, it's, there's, there's three one acts that are comprise the orphan's home cycle. Um, and the first act is called the nightingale. And then the second is the dearest of friends. And the third is spring dance. And, um, I was in the first and the third. And then, um, in this particular production, uh, it was Rochelle Oliver and Jean Stapleton were also in it. And, um, my husband had a part in it. Um, that's sort of how we ended up getting, well, it's a long story, but anyway, we ended up getting married finally in, at, at Signature in 94, but we sort of hooked up in 92. And, um, but it was wonderful getting to do it twice because she's mm. a great, it's a great character. She's kind of, lost her mind <laughs> and you don't really know that at first she says it doesn't says kind of outrageous things and um but heartbreaking something very heartbreaking about it and uh the middle play is very very funny and it's all they're kind of talking about this character of annie gale but you don't see her except you've seen her in the first um play and uh 
it was just a glorious, I don't know, fun thing to do. Hmm. You have a different situation now in Orphan's Home in that you created in many cases the the character in some of these plays when they were first done, either on stage or on film. Mm-hmm. And now you're on stage watching other people play the parts you yep. you originated. Yeah. What What's that like? It's great. Because you know what? It tells me that my father's work is kind of universal. It, 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 I've always believed this. You know, I, I've always thought there's not one interpreter. You know, that's not just, it's not just me. It, it's many women. It's many men. Um, their parts are rich. And I just, what I love so much about this production is the actors that have committed their time and to doing this, um, particularly the young actors, you know, um, they don't have one foot out the door. They're loving what they're doing. And I think a lot of them feel that maybe this will be one of the highlights of their acting lives because um, they're wonderful parts. Well, they're wonderful parts, and it is unique. I mean, I've talked with a lot of actors who uh, have done repertory mm-hmm. and then those who wish they'd had the opportunity to do repertory. So in the case of Orphan's Home, as you say, it is repertory both over the course of the three evenings as well as even within the three evenings. Yeah. So it's it's certainly pretty <clears throat> unique. It's not the sort of thing that comes along no, every not, day. No. As we're talking about the nine plays of Orphan's Home, it reminds me that there are actually other plays of your father's that are related <clears throat> to these plays. Mm-hmm. Um, you appeared in The Last of the Thorntons. We see the Thornton family mm-hmm. in Orphan's Home. Last of the Thorntons is set many years later. The young man from Atlanta. That's Lilydale, yeah. You know, is... Yeah. Is, now, Alberta, Louisiana, Texas, um, Patience Thornton. Mm-hmm. She's she's a cousin, but she's, yes, yeah, she's a, in the Thornton right. line. That's right. But... These characters have other lives yeah. even beyond these nine plays. Mm-hmm. I mean, is there any way to say how many of the play be, beyond the nine? If somebody really wanted to get the family tree, oh god! <laughs> I mean, do, are are many of the other plays even I, linked beyond this? Um, yes, and I, but I can't. I have to think about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like because there's yeah. Know, I, mean, written, I don't expect you to. I'm just, spout as the I'm number, thinking about but, it now, but because he's written. Over sixty plays. Right. There's so many of them, and um, and you know, there's families like in Harrison, which is you know the really Wharton, but there's families that I can say this is this family, this is that family, this is, and then this is this family again. <laughs> you know, so he'll approach it from a different. The story will be different about somebody else, but it'll be really about this particular family again in another kind of way. Hmm. I don't know how else to say that. But so he does that too. You know, he's kind of like the family in Carpetbaggers mm-hmm. and the family in Dividing the Estate are sort of based on the same real family huh. in in Wharton. I'm not going to tell you who that family is, but it's two different settings, you know. Well, in fact, your dad said to me that I believe there were some of the plays that he wrote and had to put away Mm -hmm. because he didn't want them seen so that the people he based them on, he said probably no one else would recognize them and it wasn't even necessarily that they'd play down there in Texas, but he didn't like the idea that Mm -hmm. 
they might see themselves portrayed in a way that was not entirely flattering to them. Or, yeah, or what they don't understand is that often, you know, these plays are, again, I say a compilation. They're never really the straight story of one person or the, a group of people. You couldn't say all this happened to that family. And it even, you know, in these nine plays, they are based on my grandmother and my grandfather, but things that happened in the context of these nine plays didn't always happen to my grandparents. Part of it he's made up for theatrical purposes, you know, um, just all kinds of things. So for whatever reasons, you know, that's how he does it. And I think he thinks if he did it another way, it wouldn't be as interesting probably. Hmm. You know, we were saying at the beginning that your run in um, Orphan's Home might be the longest run you'd ever had, but dividing the estate in its multiple incarnations yeah. probably came close. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not mm-hmm. – yeah, we, we've touched on the different pieces, but it started at primary stages. Yes. It did move to Broadway. Yes. And then the Hartford. company went to Hartford mm-hmm. and, and did the show up there. Yep. Those are th- three very different venues. Yes. Uh, in terms of scale, in Hartford, you have a very deep thrust. Primary stages is very intimate. Even a small Broadway house has got a scale – did the feeling of the play adjust? Well, primary stages was different because it's a narrower mm-hmm. the stage, it, but it's a proscenium. Right. And the booth, you know, it's obviously it's, it was wider, but also a proscenium. But also more people to react. There's a funny mm-hmm. thing when there's Absolutely. a difference between, I don't know if it's uh, 130, 150 seats yeah. at where primary stages is, and then the booth is 59th. The booth is 900, yeah. and the Hartford stage, you go back to about 489. No, I think it's – or is it six? Anyway, maybe oh, – right. Unless they added seats well, since I worked what there, they did was there's no – they took the thrust away, oh, and they made it a proscenium. So they put some seats on the floor as yes, well. Yes, because okay. the Lincoln Center, again, was lovely about this. They let us take the set. Mm-hmm. So we had to make it a proscenium because it fit. Ah. Yeah. So that's how we did that. <laughs> so so um, the scale wasn't – but but big, it, it was but it was still different. You know, as every stage is different, as you know. I mean, every theater is different acoustically. I mean, it's just all kinds of things. So you're – I mean, for example, we were doing this play, The Orphan's Home Cycle, at Hartford Stage. And then we had to come and do it at Signature. And everybody thought, wow, we're going from – because it was the same. It was a transfer. It's proscenium to proscenium. Um, we go from a bigger audience and everybody's thinking – Okay, it's 160 seats. It's more um, intimate. And I think people tended to drop their volume more than probably they should vocally. You know, Mm. you said – see, it was a learning experience. It doesn't always mean, you know, it's more intimate. What Then I think what we finally realized was it was more intimate in the sense that the audience is right there, you know, and you forget what that's like when you've been at Hartford where the audience is a little more removed from you. Because of this, you know, configuration of everything. Mm-hmm. So, and again, as we talked about rep companies, there's certainly carryover between the cast that did dividing the estate, mm-hmm. which stayed pretty much intact mm-hmm. uh, the whole time, and there are a number of the actors, you and your husband included, uh-huh. who were in those. So, so not only and we did is it to kill a mockingbird season? too. At That's Harvard. right, because yeah. the bridging mm-hmm. thing was yeah. to go from 
We went. That you did. You did. Dividing the estate we closed in New on, York. We closed on January went 4th. up to Hartford, did Mockingbird. Well, and before that, yeah. on January 6th, we had the reading of the six plays for my father mm. at Lincoln Center um, with many of the actors from Dividing the Estate. And then we, a bunch of us went and did To Kill a Mockingbird at Hartford. And then we continued on <laughs> Dividing the Estate. And then we started rehearsing Orphan's Homicycle. So it's it's a couple of years yep. with, with the core group. Mm-hmm. I want to ask about the production of Mockingbird because um, it's, it's generally known um, for people in the theater uh, for years. People have ta- always gone and said, gosh, you know, great to do Mockingbird on stage. And there had been a version written for the stage, uh, sort of adapted from the film, but not by someone who was regularly a playwright. Right. Um, and some people shied away because they, they felt that the adaptation didn't come close to either the book or what your father had done with the book for the film. Um, so when you were doing it at Hartford, I'm told your your dad actually put a little more of his stuff into it. Is he, that is that so? He was not involved. Um, he he is a sort of ta- packed with Harper. He he won't do that because she's uh-huh. um, she's she doesn't get involved. And so uh, this is really hard to talk about. But um, Circle was credited with the version we did. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I can't really <laughs> say much beyond that, but um, there are versions out there. There's a screenplay out there. There, you know, there are many, um, and people have ways of getting to those versions. And well, just as there yeah. are, there are stage versions yeah. of the Sound of Music that mm-hmm. have songs from the movie in it. Exactly. So it's it's. Uh, so we'll we'll move on yes. from there. I won't. I won't <laughs> I dwell. <laughs> but um, but certainly, I mean, it, it's a piece that's you know very associated with your dad. Yes. And again, that same rep company, because mm-hmm. part of the point was to keep the actors employed between dividing the estate in New York, yes. and then to lead them to dividing the estate. You know, so that that Hartford bridged that to yes. go right into Orphan's Home. So. Yeah, so we were all there, and it's true, and I, I never thought of that, but it's true. Mockingbird is something that is heavily identified with my father's writing, um, the screenplay, certainly. And uh, um, and that particular production, I think, was the highest grocer at Hartford. And then the second was uh, Dividing the Estate, which was kind of great. Hmm. Well, again, you built up an interest mm-hmm. and an awareness, certainly over the years, with the number of plays of your dad's that were done there and and actors that recurred. Because you mentioned having done part of Roads to Home, Gene Stapleton was mm-hmm. in that. Gene Stapleton mm-hmm. was in Carpetbaggers, am I right? Yes, she was, and she was also in Death of Papa. So she's been at Hartford. She did the Death of Papa. So it, it keeps coming back uh-huh. to to whether you call it rep company or whether you call it family. There was yes. definitely. A group of people gathered around exactly. um, the work mm-hmm. of your dad as well as your dad physically yeah. um, uh, to be a part of it. Um, once this is complete, um, you are, as I understand it, the literary executor yes. of your father's estate. Mm-hmm. So have you thought about what that role is going to be for you in terms of, mm-hmm. of perpetuating your dad's work? Um I have thought about it, and I 
I, I just know that I'm committed to seeing that he gets um, as much exposure as possible. I think his writing is wonderful, and I think, um, you know, the more people discover him as a writer, the more he'll be done, and uh, I, I think it's important. So that's sort of my my new mission in life. Well, there's, I mean, there's there's almost a sad irony in that it was really in these past few years mm-hmm. that your father's work became fully appreciated on the stage because so many of the shows, as you say, some of them he wrote, they got done as movies, they didn't get done as as plays necessarily. Um, I know some of them may not have gotten produced at all at times. When you say 60 plays, it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty remarkable. Um, but it's the successes, and we haven't talked yet about the signature trip to Bountiful, which also then <clears throat> played out at the Goodman. Yes. You know, the series of particularly Trip to Bountiful, Dividing the Estate, and now Orphan's Home has have been the great, in many ways, the biggest stage successes of your dad's career because mm-hmm. all of the earlier shows had relatively short runs yeah. or only played in, in one location. So is there now more interest? Are, do you have a sense that people are going back to look at this material? Will we see more of this work? Yes. Yes, I think so. I think um, I know in Dallas they're doing a whole retrospective of his work, all the theaters, hmm. which I find kind of interesting. Um, uh, in 2011, they're going to just, you know, each theater is contributing something. And his papers are at SMU, so somehow they're going to be involved because they're in, you know, that area of, of the world. Um, and I think, no, I've just noticed there's an uptick in requests for things of his and productions that are being done. Um, and I just want to make sure that that keeps happening. I, I, I think he should be done more in England. He's never really had that kind of access or exposure. Um, there's, I have a lot of ideas. I think also there's movies of his that can be done still. Hmm. And, um, I'm, I'm also working on that and thinking about that. Hmm. He's, um, his writing is a kind of a universal, I think, lasting uh, appeal, and I think it will. I think you know he he people it, it just resonates with people, and they come up to me from all walks of life, from all over the world, and and say, you know, this is my mother, this is my father, this is my parent, you know, my aunt, my uncle, sister, brother. Um, they, they it somehow touches them, and it's always touching to me because. You don't always think – you think, oh, it's this little town in Texas. But it's so much more than a little town in Texas. Hmm. Do you think at this point your energies are going to go more into – you're saying even looking at projects that could be made. Do you think you'll spend your time looking at how to create – get those productions to happen are you going to spend your time going around and checking up on productions <laughs> that are happening or do you anticipate continuing to appear in works of your dad's as they go on? Uh, all three. I do get asked and included in, you know, people welcome the involvement. And they always did with my dad, too. I think they like to have someone from the family sort of show up. And, and it's all, not always me. You know, my brothers can go, my sister. They're also very smart about my father's work. And, um, and that's comforting. It's nice that there are four of us, you know. It's not me by myself. Um, my title is technically executor, executrix, but uh, I feel that my whole family uh, shares in that responsibility, and they they want to. I 
think that his plays I, I hope to be in acting in you know as many of them as I can um, you know and, and I, I'm just sort of trying to be zen about it I don't know mm-hmm. what the next thing will be but I kind of like that feeling it's sort of freeing in a way mm-hmm. I'm just sort of watching things and seeing how they play out do you think I mean sometimes executors want to approve directors or want to know about casting is, is that something a role you want to play or do you just um, want to see the plays get done I, I don't think you can micromanage beyond you know you don't want to drive people crazy I think you know if there's something you think is really off base that you hear about you can certainly weigh in I, I know I've learned this from my father you cannot control everything <laughs> it would be nice to but you simply can't so you know and and quite frankly anyone that wants to do his things or you know it comes from a good place you know they've res- somehow the work resonates with them and and i think that's pretty wonderful are there parts in your father's plays that you have not yet played that you'd like to do yes <laughs> can you can you say any of the ones? Uh, no, <laughs> no, because of course you'd be in the unique position when people call for the rights and parts. say, "Well, I'd like I'd <laughs> like to have you do that," and I'm really interested yeah. in playing. But it's character. also there's parts that I would like to do, but if somebody else wanted to do them, I would welcome that. Hmm. You know, in other words, I want these plays to have a life, and I'm not necessarily I don't have to do everything, hmm. and I I think. His plays have a kind of commercial viability that I'm starting to explore more, you know. Um, so I just want to stay open, you know. And I think if I start naming things like this is mine, this is mine, it doesn't help him or his place. When I do these interviews, I try to keep, for the most part, my own personal involvement or awareness or connections <laughs> out of it. But I must – Tell the story because I don't think I've ever been able to tell you this story. Um, when I saw the production of Trip to Bountiful at Signature a few years ago, um, it affected me very deeply. And in fact, for about 10 minutes in Act Two, I sat there silently with tears uh-huh. rolling down my face. My wife was concerned that something was deeply wrong. And I was like, no, I'm just, it's okay. Yeah. Um, and I went to my office the next day and I immediately sat down and wrote to your father because at least I was lucky enough to have met him through the good offices of Jim Houghton when we were together at the O'Neill and your dad had come up. And uh, and I wrote to him and I said, strange as it may be for you to receive a note congratulating you on a play you wrote <laughs> 53 years ago, I had never had the opportunity to see this play. And it moved me very deeply and thank you so much for it. And your father, always the gentleman, wrote back a, a nice note thanking me for, for <laughs> my note. Um, it's delightful to know that for so many years his work has been in part in your hands and that it's going to be in your hands for some time to come and through early May – People can see you in Orphan's Home Cycle mm-hmm. at Signature and I do hope we're going to see you in more of your dad's plays and just many more of your dad's plays Oh, well, thank time. you. Thank you, Howard. That's lovely. So, and with that, I'll <laughs> just say, Hallie Foote, thank you for being with us today on well, Downstage Center. Well, thank you. Center. 
Our engineer for this Downstage Center program is Chad Bernhard. Our researcher is Craig Thompson. Our director of web development is Rob Perry. And our producer is Gail Yankosik. Downstage Center is recorded in the CUNY TV radio studio at the City University of New York's Graduate School of Journalism in Manhattan. Along with this program, all of the educational and media work of the American Theatre Wing is available online, on demand, for free at americantheaterwing.org. And I should say that includes interviews with Jim Houghton, Michael Wilson, and Horton Foote. You can follow ATW on Twitter at The Wing and follow me as well on Twitter as H.E. Sherman. You can also declare yourself as one of our fans on Facebook at The American Theatre Wing. If you're a regular listener to or viewer of Wing programs, we hope you'll consider giving us financial support to sustain our work. Just visit the website and click on Support ATW. For Downstage Center and the American Theatre Wing, I'm Howard Sherman. Thanks for listening. And no matter where you live, I hope we'll see you at the theater.